Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. One of the highlights of our family vacation every summer is a trip to Bar Harbor, Maine to visit my wife Courtney's family. Beautiful place. If you've never had opportunity to go, Definitely somewhere you should go at some point in your life. One of our, I guess, new favorite things to do while we're on vacation there is to hit up the local antique stores. There's a lot of antique stores. Now, this was something that I've not always really been into because the first time Courtney asked me to go with her, it it, it went something like this. Hey, you want to go check out an antique store? why would I want to go look at someone else's junk? You know, if there was anything of value there, why would they want to sell it? You know, oh, come on. You can find sometimes a really good deal. Uh, Great, a deal on someone's junk. Great, so I went along, being the excellent husband that I am, and um, I think I found myself sitting in the corner kind of like this, like, okay, great, it smells in here. This is awesome. But something caught my attention because on this old table right here was a box, a pretty big box. And in that box were some sports cards. So I said, "Ah, I'll check out the sports cards. I'm sure it's nothing of value in there, but I'll flip through it. And I start flipping through the cards and I start to notice some names that were pretty familiar to me. Some baseball players. I'm like, whoa, okay. Some of these are rookie cards. Then I see some basketball players like Michael Jordan. This is from his uh, Olympic dream team. Okay, well, that's got to have a value. I see, you know, like uh, Shaquille O'Neal, rookie card. Okay, that's got to have some value. Dan Reeves, autographed uh, Dan Reeves card is pretty cool. And I look at this sign and I say, how much is this, by the way? A dollar each. Huh. Now, my heart kind of stopped when I came across a football card, because football is my love language, and I see not only a Dan Marino card, but a 22-carat gold-plated Dan Marino card. And I asked the lady again, how much are these? She says, a dollar each. Now, I got to admit, I got just a little bit of conviction in my heart because I knew the lady had no clue what was going on with this card right here. But I was amazed at how fast I got over that, you know? (laughs) Especially when she said, you know, if a dollar is too much, how about 50 cents each? (laughs) Exactly, that's what I said. And I kind of started guarding the table, you know, like... uh, On Black Friday, right before they open up the $200 LED TVs, you know, people are like jockeying for position. So all of a sudden, what what once was junk to me, I'm kind of guarding right here so no one gets to it. And I I really felt bad, but also got over it when she said, I tell you what, you can have that whole box for $20. Now, I will commend myself for saying, ma'am, some of these cards might be worth a little bit. And she said, no, my son looked through them. He said that, that it's not worth anything. It's junk. So I said, well, dear Lord, I tried. You know, you're $20. All right, I'm out of there, right? 
And I'm sitting there really freaking out because as I see these cards, I get on my phone and I go to a website that's like an authority on sports cards on the value of them. And I'm looking these up and I'm kind of doing the math in my head saying, oh yeah, deals, baby, deals. Let's go to some more antique store. This is awesome, you know? I understood the value of a good deal right there. Value realization can be a very fun and exciting thing. Now, conversely, if you're on the wrong end of value realization, it can make you sick to your stomach. How many of you have ever given away or thrown out something that is worth value? You've lost something of value, yeah. You know how it is. I remember a few years ago, we had a white elephant gift exchange for our student ministry adult leaders. And sweet lady on her way out the house, oh, I forgot a gift. I know it's a $10 limit. So maybe I'll just grab some of these old albums of my husband in the basement and maybe three or four of them will equal $10. And so she brought them. And when they were opened, we all quickly realized that when you give away like an original Beatles album or James Taylor or another hair band, I don't wanna say in church, but some of y'all, I know you wouldn't admit to knowing who they are. But you would know there's hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of value in this. And boy, she's going to get in trouble when she gets home. You know, we tried to give them back, you know, but eBay was very happy that day. (laughs) Value. When you lose the value of a sports card or an old album, it can be heartbreaking. Uh, It can hurt a little bit. But what's even more heartbreaking than that is that there are people who are going through lives every day and they don't realize the value of their own life. In the past few weeks, I've talked to a number of students who have either attempted or said that they were going to attempt to end their life. And as I'm talking with them, heartbroken that they don't realize their value, they don't realize how much they're worth, I realize that what all of them had in common is that there is no real sense of the value and the purpose of their life. Now, all of them said, when I asked, do you believe in the cross? Do you believe that what Jesus did for you can save you? Every one of them said, yes, I really do believe in that. But there was a disconnect between the cross and how that affects their life today. I think Pastor Chuck and Pastor Bobby did an awesome job for us over Easter week, unpacking how the cross not only affects our one day, but it affects our two day. It not only defines our eternity, but it defines our lives right now. And the sad truth is there's so many people that look in their mirrors every morning and what they see staring back at them is clouded because they're looking through the lens of what this world has told them about themselves. They listen to labels that are put on them. For students, those labels that mean so much are like fat, ugly, unpopular. For adults, maybe it's things like unsuccessful, Maybe it's things like, hey, you just don't measure up. You're not beautiful. You don't meet this standard. And so we believe these lies. And when we look in the mirror, what we see looking back at us is not the true reality of who we are and who we were created to be. They're a lie from the world. This works the other way too. 
Sometimes the labels we hear are just as poisoning when they're things like, oh, you're beautiful, you're popular, you're cool, you're accepted, you're successful. Oh, you have a great job, you have a great title, you've arrived. And that feeds something inside of us as we fall into the trap of wanting to please the world and what the world defines as great. What if, just what if we could look into the mirror and we could cut through all of that noise and all of those lies and all of those things people throw at us? And what if just for a moment we could see a true reflection of how God sees us? What if we could truly identify the value and the worth of the real us? See, it's sad when there's a disconnect and we miss that. Today, I want us to get some perspective on the value of you. And just as in that antique store, I consulted an authoritative source on the value of sports cards, I want us to go to the authoritative source on the value of life, the word of the one who created our lives. And as we look through scripture together this morning, there's three things I want us to see. The first thing is this. I want us to notice how the Bible speaks to value given. Value given. God has given you value. Isaiah 44, 24 says, this is what the Lord says, your redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself. Your redeemer who formed you. The Hebrew word for formed here means to fashion or to mold. Much like a potter would take a lump of clay and he would work with that and it would become a one of a kind piece that had a very specific purpose. That's how God forms each one of us. And no matter what circumstances surround you coming into the world, there is no doubt when we look at scripture that you and I, we are not an accident. Listen to this in Psalm 139, which Hector read earlier, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Consider this, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the universe, the one who spoke galaxies into existence, delicately knit you together in your mother's womb. When I have students say, you don't understand the circumstances that surrounded me, I'm an accident. I've even been told that I was an accident. I point them to God's word and say, there is no doubt that there are no accidents. You are fearfully, you are wonderfully made. And here's the deal. When God created you, he assigned you value and purpose that is priceless. And because your value has been assigned to you by the creator of life, there is no one, nothing, no sin, no mistake, no circumstance, nothing that can rob you of that value. My students have heard me share this before. One of my favorite illustrations in understanding value that is given to us is to grab my wallet 
and I hope I have something in here, and get a $20 bill and say, how many of y'all in here, if I'm giving this away, how many of y'all would take a $20 bill this morning? Nobody would take, y'all lying in church. Yes, you would take it. If I left it here and said, all right, whoever wants it, you, some of y'all would, would knock people down trying to get it, right? It's a $20 bill. If someone gives it away, you take it, okay? Now, what if this $20 bill is new, is nice and crisp? What if I took this $20 bill and I wadded it up? And now this $20 bill, which was once kind of perfect, is now all wrinkled. Who would want this right now? Well, of course you would. Oh, more of y'all want it now that it's wrinkled. See, that don't make no sense. But what if I take this wrinkled $20 bill and I drop it on the ground and I step on it and I don't know what's been on the bottom of my shoe, but I can guess. And now it is dirty and wrinkled. How many of y'all want this now? All right, let's go extreme here. What if my allergies acted up and I were to sneeze and this bill were to get in the way of it and I were to pick it up and, and wipe. How many of y'all would still want it in the worst imaginable condition? There's still takers. All right. Now, what if I pulled just another piece of paper out of my, my Bible and I did the same thing to it? How many of y'all want this paper? Oh, no takers. Maybe a middle schooler or two. Okay, oh, sure, I'll take it. Why not? Why do you want this paper and not this paper? Because of the value. Exactly. This is not money. This has value. No matter what condition this is in, it is worth the value that has been assigned to it. You know why? Yes, it is paper, but it is a special kind of paper. And that which has authority, the U.S. Treasury, the U.S. Mint, has assigned value to this special piece of paper that cannot be taken away from it. Our lives are the same way. The creator of life has assigned value to us. And it does not matter what happens to us, if we get stepped on, if life is hard on us, if we get abused, if we get torn, if we lose our job, if we lose the contest, if we go bankrupt, if we make mistakes, no matter what happens to us, it does not change the value that has been assigned and given to us by our creator who has the authority and the only one who has authority to speak value into our lives. We have been given value. Ephesians 2.10 communicates this wonderfully. For we are God's masterpiece. Consider that. Now, the previous two verses to that remind us that we did not do anything to deserve this or to earn this or to get this on our own, but it is a gift of God. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. What an awesome, awesome truth. Not only is the Bible clear about the value that's been given to us by God, but it also very clearly shows us how God proved that value. God's given us value, but God's also proved to us the value that he has given us. Now, there are two ways to determine value of something in life. The first way is this. 
what someone is willing to pay for it. What is your house worth? Well, your house is worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. I learned this lesson the hard way. I was trying to test this principle. We had lived in our house in Columbia, South Carolina about a year. We were happy there. Everything was great. And I show up from work one day and I say, hey, Courtney, hurry, hurry, hurry. Come here and help me, baby. We're going to straighten up the house. She said, why? I said, because I got some people coming to look at it. She said, our house is not for sale. I said, baby, our house is always for sale. You know, if someone's willing to pay something for it, I'm going to jack the price up. They rode by, they were interested. I told them to come back. They got a realtor with them. And she said, oh, they can look at our house. You, you might be moving, but I'm staying right here. They can see where I live, where me and the kids are going to live right here. I ain't going nowhere. But what is your house worth? Whatever someone's willing to pay for it. What is your car worth? Same thing. What is artwork? Well, whatever someone is willing to pay for it. What is a football card worth? To some of y'all, it's not worth anything. But you know that there are people who have paid for a Dan Marino rookie card? Not this card, okay? I don't want you to cut me and steal my card after this service. There are people who have paid $27,000 for a Dan Marino rookie card. That is actually chump change compared to the most expensive sports card ever sold, a 1909 Honus Wagner baseball card, once owned by Wayne Gretzky, was bought by the owner of the Arizona Diamondbacks, $2.8 million. Well, that's crazy right there. Yes, it is crazy. That's ridiculous. But it just proves something, that something's value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. The second way value is determined is by who owns it or who did own it. Sometimes value is determined by who owned something. Now, an old guitar of mine is not gonna sell for what an old guitar that belonged to Elvis Presley is gonna sell for. An old pair of my gym shoes in my mama's closet from when I was young is not gonna sell for anything. Do you know last year, a former ball boy for the um, Chicago Bulls during the mid 80s was at his mom's house and found an old pair of sneakers, game-worn sneakers that he got from Michael Jordan after a game. This is right before Air Jordans came out. They sold recently in an auction for $71,000. Why? Because of who owned them. Let's make it a little more personal. At my house, we have a special cabinet that I'm not allowed to touch um, that has our china in it, our fine china. Now, we registered for china when we got married. I don't know why. We registered for it. They, someone said we need it, and so we, we got it. People were so gracious, and they gave us all this china, and it was, it was awesome, and it was expensive. And I think we used it one time, and then it went in a special place, and we're not ever allowed to use it. We're using paper plates, and we got this nice china right here, you know? And recently my wife told me, Courtney said, Trip, you know what? As much as all that China is worth, I would give every piece of that for one piece of my grandmother's China. Why is her grandma's China so valuable? It's cracked, it's, it's, it's nicked, it's cheap. It's so valuable because of who owned it. She actually has a few pieces of her grandma's China 
It doesn't even stay at our house. It's at her mom's house. She's like, I don't even want you looking at it. I don't want you touching it. You were not touching my grandma's channel because it is so valuable to me. Based on that, consider your value. Ask yourself, what was paid for me? Who owns me? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, 23, for you have been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. So you belong to him. Be free now from all these earthly prides and fears. Another translation says, God paid such a high price for you. So don't be enslaved by the world. That verse is so freeing. If we live in the reality of the price that God has paid for us, it frees us from living according to all these labels and all this standard that the world sets because our true value is found in what God has done for us. You have been bought and paid for by Christ. You belong to him. How much does that make you worth? Well, consider the great price that was paid for you. Consider who paid it. God gave his very son so that your sins could be forgiven and that paves a way for you and I to have a relationship with the creator of the world. There's no way that we earn this great act of love. No way we deserve it. The Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Please don't miss this. This is what all those students I talked to miss. The cross proves your value. Jesus did not die for junk. In fact, you're invaluable. You are priceless. This is what defines you, not what you've been told by the world. This is what scripture says about what the world would say about you. In 1 John 3, 1, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world, they don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Someone once says, your value does not decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. But think about what we allow to define us. Think about what we see when we look in that mirror. Think about the magazines we read, the messages that we believe. Think about how we gotta get that Instagram picture just right. Because it's so important what people think about us. And then we check back real quick, how many likes do I have? How many likes do I have? How many likes do I have? And we allow all these messages to define who we are. We allow that guy or that girl to speak truth into our life over the one who created our life and has given everything so that we can have life. The one who knows the number of hairs on our head the one who knows the secret places of our heart and yet loves us and extends grace to us in spite of that. What do we allow to define us? We look in the mirror and we see the reflection and we have nothing but negative things to say about what we see. We trash our bodies. We don't like the way we look. We don't like our appearance. We're told in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, that our bodies are a temple of God. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? 
You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. How else does God prove our worth? When we confess our sins to him, when we receive his forgiveness and establish relationship with him through what Jesus did on a cross, we're told that his very power and presence, the Holy Spirit of God comes in it and dwells, it lives inside of us and our bodies become the house, the dwelling place for the presence and the spirit of an almighty God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think that that does speak to we should take care of our bodies. We should exercise. We should eat right. We should take care of the temple of God. But when we look in the mirror and we begin to trash and to break down and speak against what we're seeing in that mirror, what we're doing is we're insulting the house of God. We're insulting the temple of God, the residence of the power and the presence of God. You may be looking for something to tweet about now, those of you who, who are into social media. This is something right here that you can share. Nobody has ever paid a greater price than God paid for you when Christ died on the cross, proving your value and worth. There's never been a greater price ever paid than what Jesus did on the cross for you. Sometimes we lose sight of that value. Well, the Bible also speaks of how we can realize value. Value realized. The way we realize our value is number one, through our new identity in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. So we realize our value as we live in, as we abide in Christ and realize our new identity with Christ. But we also realize our identity through experiencing our divine purpose. This is something that we can experience every day in our kitchens. When you walk into your kitchen, your kitchen, and you look at your appliances, each appliance in that kitchen was made. It was designed for a specific purpose. When we use it in ways other than which it was designed and created to be used, sometimes we have problems. Let's say I walk to my blender and I want to make toast and I put the bread down in the blender and I hit the buttons. I'm probably not, you know, I'm probably not going to get toast. It's going to be some kind of, I don't know, someone do it and tell me what happens. It's going to be nasty. If I take my toaster out and I want to make a smoothie and I pour the milk and I put the yogurt down in there, push some fruit down in those little slots and I plug it in and, and I push the button, something's going to happen, but I'm not going to get a smoothie. Yeah, I'm going to have a mess. Well, here's what happens with our lives. When we operate outside of the purposes for which we were created, things get messy. But when you discern your divine reason for being, you understand your value. Now, tomorrow morning, we, uh, I'm leaving with about 20 students and we're going on a mission trip to Pauley's Island, South Carolina to work with one of our ministry partners called Teach My People. Now, um, not long ago, I guess within the year, I was down there and we were on the beach 
and I scooped up some sand off of that beach. You know how sometimes you, you take sand from a beach on vacation? It's a way when your kids are like, hey, let's get a souvenir, and you don't want to buy any more hermit crabs from waves or beaches, and so you're like, okay, let's get some sand. It's free. We can convince the kids it's a good you know, souvenir. This sand from the beach is free. It's free. You can take as much as you want, you know? Maybe if you took a dump truck, they would say something, but this is free sand from the beach. Now, this same sand that is free on the beach, down at Lowe's and Home Depot, they put it in a bag, and now they charge $5 for it because it's called play sand. It's the same thing, but now it has a different purpose, so it's it has a greater value. That same sand that's free on the beach, that's $5 a bag down at the Home Depot, they take that same sand and they glue it to a piece of paper. They call it sandpaper. Now it's a dollar a sheet. Same thing, different purpose. The same sand that was free on the beach, $5 a bag, a dollar a sheet. They take it and they take that sand, that silicon dioxide, and they put it through a process. And when they put it through a process, a very little amount of sand can be made into silicon wafers and a very small silicon wafer can be used to make large amounts of computer chips. And now that same sand that was free here, $5, a dollar a sheet, that same sand is now worth thousands of dollars sold as computer chips and electronics. It's the same thing, but it has a different purpose. In our lives, as we discover, as we live in our divine purpose, we more fully realize our incredible value and how God wants to use us. While there's many things to consider when determining specific purpose for your life, there's two foundational commands through which all purpose flows. Number one is the great commandment. In uh, Matthew chapter 22, we see some people come to Jesus and they say, teacher, what is the most important commandment in all the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself for the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments the great commandment. This command screams of good news. Here's the good news that we can intimately know God and we can love him with everything that we have. See, if you don't understand the Bible rightly, you think the Bible's all about rules, that God's into laws, that God's into rules. God's not into rules, God's into life. God is into relationship. And he says, okay, you want to get it? You want to get it all right? Do this. Love me with everything you got. And then let that love for me and relationship with me spill over into how you love other people. Well, how do I love God more? Do I just say, oh, okay, I, I love you more. God, uh, how does that work? I think we don't love God more because we don't know God more. The more we spend time with him, 
The more we abide in him, the more we submit our lives and worship to him, the more we allow the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit to live through us as we yield to him, the more we know him, the more we understand his grace, the incredible love he's lavished on us so we can be called children of God. The more we understand this, we can't help but to love him more. And the more we love him, the more we can't help but for that to spill over into every other area of our lives. The great commandment, the second foundational command through, all of our, through which all of our purpose flows is this, the great commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we see that Jesus was raised from the dead. The tomb was empty over the next 40 days. He revealed himself to over 500 people on 12 different instances. He proved he was alive. He told his disciples, after 40 days, meet me up on the hill. They go up there and he says, I'm about to leave you. And this is the final words, the mission he gives them. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is what he's saying here. Oh guys, here's a reminder. Remember, I'm God. This is a God-sized mission I'm about to give you. Therefore, go into all the world. And as you are going into all the world, make disciples of all people and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach everything I've commanded you. And just about the time they probably start freaking out over the magnitude of this mission, he gives them the most beautiful and wonderful promise. And he says, and behold, listen, I will be with you always, even to the very end. Well, how are you gonna be with us, Jesus? You're about to leave. You just said you're going. I will leave with you a helper, my power, my presence, the Holy Spirit to live in you and to live through you. He's saying, guys, let's do this together. In 2 Corinthians 5, 20, we see that he not only has given us everything so that we can know him, but he's also called us to represent him to the world. He says, we are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making an appeal through us. We implore you, we beg you on God's behalf to be reconciled to him. Here's the big idea today. Here's what I pray and I've been praying that you take with you today. The 140, I call it, because you could tweet it in 140 characters or less. Let's don't miss this. By God's grace, you are priceless and he has given you everything for you to realize your value and to be used for his purposes. If we believe that, it changes everything. Let's bow our heads together. My prayer for you guys this week is that as you look in your mirror, that you may see past the things that this world is concerned with, that you will see your true beauty and the value of a child of God, an ambassador of Jesus Christ shining back at you. I pray that your mirror will become a place of worship, not of you, but of your God who loves you, who proved your worth by giving his all for you, and who calls you to glorify him to the ends of the earth. Maybe you're here today and you're not living with a sense of purpose, a real sense of value, because there's never been a time in your life where you've received God's forgiveness and you've established relationship with him through what Jesus did on the cross. If that's you this morning, today can be the day you receive a new identity. 
today, all things can become new for you as you open your heart to God and you say, God, I know that my sin separates me from you, but I know that you gave everything to pursue me and to pay the sin debt that I should pay. You've paid it all for me on the cross. And today I confess my sins for you. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross is good enough to save me. And today I ask you to come into my heart, into my life. And today I choose you, make me new today. Maybe you've done that before, you have a relationship with God. But somewhere along the way, you started believing the lies. As you look in the mirror, it's clouded with this lens of what the world says that greatness is, of what the world says acceptance is all about. And when you see yourself, you don't see yourself as God sees you. And today you need to just say, God, I give you my mirror. May my lens not be the world, but may my lens be the truth of the word of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. God, I submit to you right now. God, I wanna see myself as you see me, not so I can be boastful, but God, that I can boast in you and your incredible love and your incredible grace. Would you give that to him today? Father God, I thank you that you have loved us that you have saved us, you've shown that worth, and we can live in the reality of the incredible value that you have given us and no one or nothing can take away. Father, may we open our hearts, may we open our lives to you, the lover of our souls, as we continue to worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.